When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Alone Together podcast. I'm Dan McLaughlin speaking to you from Salford. And I'm Matt Millard speaking to you from Birmingham. Since the start of the lockdown, we have been looking at how life goes on even in the most unusual times, whether that's paying tribute to the amazing local heroes who have been helping out in their local communities. Or preparing for life after lockdown in the so-called new normal by speaking to experts, journalists, industry figures, and many more. On today's episode, we focus on the music industry. Like many other industries, music has been hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. And the music industry isn't just the pop singers we hear on the radio or your chosen streaming service, even though they are important components of the industry. It's a much, much more complex and important ecosystem than that. In the UK, live music supports over 200,000 jobs, from artists to venues, marketing to production, and much, much more. It is estimated that 60%, 60% of those 200,000 jobs, that's 120,000 jobs in live music in the UK are expected to be lost after the collapse in live music, in touring, and in festivals. Alone together, we'll look at the challenges that's facing the music industry, what can be done to protect grassroots music, and what advice is out there from musicians for musicians. Coming up on today's episode. All my income comes from singing at weddings and events like parties and pubs and hotels and things. So obviously, all of my weddings and all of my gigs were just immediately cancelled. So it was a bit stressful to begin with because I was like, how am I going to pay my rent? What am I going to do? You know, I think you need to support the like the grassroots stuff because that's where, you know, all your hidden talents come from. And if you don't have that coming out, then what's the, what's the future of music in the UK if that's the case? So there's all sorts of things that artists could be doing throughout lockdown or, you know, whilst they, they can't do live music to make to make money and it's things like you could you could be recording things from home and set and setting up patreon and and really working on your socials and trying to get get people more involved in your journey as an artist the first of our guests on today's show is london-based singer-songwriter recording artist performer and busker amy weir amy has made quite a name for herself in the industry in recent years with national radio support, including plays from BBC Six Music and a recent live performance of her single Tuesday Night on BBC Radio 5 Live with Scott Mills and Chris Stark. Before the COVID-19 outbreak, Amy was also known for her brilliant live performances. She performed at Lakefest in 2019 on the BBC Introducing Stage, duetted with Tom Walker as part of a social media video by Lad Bible and performed regularly at weddings, events, and as a busker on London's South Bank. 
I caught up with Amy to find out how life has been for her during the lockdown and what her plans are for the future. Will you take the weight off my shoulders? I'm breaking all my bones, keeping up obstacles. I'm climbing over, refusing to pull the plug. Cause with you, it's getting easier. Hi, Amy. Thanks for coming on to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. Right. So firstly, as we know, the, the lockdown has posed many challenges for working musicians across the UK and, and the world, in fact. Live shows are a main income stream for musicians and artists. But venues were, were forced to close their doors many months ago and... And shows as we know them now have, have, have not been able to go ahead. You know, we can't have these groups of, of people all, all in one place uh, watching a gig. So things for performing musicians are completely different now. Um, so I just wanted to know how, how have things been for you, you know, since the, in that, especially in that initial uh, lockdown period, um, how did you find things as, as a performing musician? Yeah, so um, as you said, I'm a musician in London and all my income comes from singing at weddings and events like parties and pubs and hotels and things. So obviously all of my weddings and all of my gigs were just immediately cancelled. So it was a bit stressful to begin with because I was like, how am I going to pay my rent? What am I going to do? But luckily I got some government help, the SEISS thing, where we mm -hmm. were given 80% of our kind of three month average earnings. Um, so when I got that, I did relax a little bit. But yeah, all my gigs, all my outdoor gigs, all my all my income was basically gone. Especially as a freelancer, to to have all of your income go in in just one complete blow, and then yeah, it must be a very you know scary and worrying time. So it's good to know that the government funding was there to to help you through um, at, at least to a certain extent and enable you to you know to continue in other areas of, of music. So have, have you have you managed, you know, you're, you've been locked away to, uh, to an extent and not been allowed out to, to perform. So have you found that time to to be creative in, in any way or maybe work on, on new music during that time? Yeah, so I was a busker as well and obviously I couldn't even do that. Um, and luckily I had all my other busker friends so we were all kind of getting through it together and um, coming up with like online ideas we could do to keep our kind of presence up and our... I guess, careers going. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we did a lot of like live streams and things. Um, one of my friends, Charlotte, she's another busker. She organized a little online festival, which was really cool. Um, Amazing. Because we, we have kind of, we a lot of us have the same followers. Like there's a lot of people that come down to watch us on the South Bank. Um, so I think they were very grateful for it as well because obviously they love listening to live music. Um, so us doing live streams and things um, was really good for them. We also did a Taylor Swift tribute night that Charlotte put on again. Um, she's been great throughout it all. That was great. And um, yeah, it's just, it's given me time to write a lot and work on my production skills, which is something I've wanted to kind of get good for a long time now. So actually having the time to do that and not having the stress of having to pay my rent um, I was able to do that, so that's been really good. That is a you know one positive aspect to take out of such a such a negative situation, and and the the online live gigs and, and streams is something that we've covered in the pre a previous series of this podcast, and okay. um, it's really great to be able to keep musicians in in the public eye in some way. 
So you mentioned the busking side of things there. Um, you know, you are quite a well-known busker within London and you know, have a prime spot on, on London's South Bank. Am I right in thinking that busking is, has still not been allowed to go ahead? Yeah, so the places I used to busk, I had a licence for. Um, so there are, you know, quite a lot of rules um, in the places I used to busk and we've been told we're not allowed back on yet, which is fair enough. I think it's something to do with the South Bank Centre not being open. So if that's not open, kind of we're not allowed to busk as well because the security aren't there and things like that. They haven't given us a date for when we're going to be back so it, it is, you know, it is still up in the air a little bit. I did try, I tried out a spot in Richmond a couple of weeks ago because that's not licensed or anything. So you can just rock up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really a touristy area of London. It's more kind of residency. And it wasn't great. It, it wasn't great money wise. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't, I haven't done it since, um, but I just wanted to try it out. But to be honest, it wasn't, it wasn't great. So I'm not really sure when... Because the the main places I did it were the train stations as well and the underground, and we're not allowed there either. So yep. Yeah, so I, I guess that's a, a confined space, um, isn't it? That you know going into into the underground and you know these, these spots where you normally busk on on the underground and on the south bank, you predominantly performing to to the tourists um, mm-hmm. who are visiting London um, on whether it's on weekend trips or or coming from overseas. So. Yeah. Do you see that being an issue even when places like South Bank may be reopened? Do you think there will be less footfall or less or less paying customers uh, coming to watch your act? Yeah, definitely. And a, lo- a lot of um, the people that used to give as well were commuters. And obviously so many people are working from home now. Um, so we're kind of losing that as well. Um, but we've thought of ways around it. Like we've all got card readers now. So hopefully you know, people won't be put off with having to touch coins and things. And and I guess we'll have to have like a semicircle around us of like two meters or whatever the recent government guidelines are. But I just I just don't know when it's all going to open up again, to be honest. That's it. It's definitely something that's not impossible. Like you say, yeah. the correct precautions are taken. And, you know, like you say, busking in, in central London now is is far from the days of of throwing coins into a hat with people paying via card and, and everything. It's come come on an awful long way in recent years. So hopefully there is a bright future that can that can emerge at some point once all this madness f- finishes. Yeah, I hope so. So it's great to hear that you've had some help in in the way of funding and you've been able to continue as as a musician. Um have you had any further uh, news on on the wedding front as a performing musician, or or for you know parties and social events? I imagine it's that it's much the same story there. Yeah, so a lot of my weddings have been moved to next year, which is great. So I've got quite a few next summer pub gigs. Haven't, but I, I have had a couple of outdoor gigs through a company called Buskin London, who have been really great to us buskers. They they basically provide paid gigs for us. So I've had a couple of those in Wembley Park recently, kind of outside the boulevard where the where the shops are. Um, so there's just a little stage up outside the cafes where we play for a couple of hours and, you know, um, we can have our names up and promote ourselves a little bit, which is great. Um, they also gave me, they also gave me a Zoom gig when it, you know, when it was like the peak of COVID um, for a company called SAP. So I was just in my bedroom singing to like a hundred people on Zoom. So that was really cool. <laughs> um, so I'm so grateful to them. They've been really helpful. 
Well, it's great to to hear that you're um, able to play gigs and, and live shows, albeit in a different scenario, outdoors and socially distanced. I have I've seen online, um, so even socially distanced festivals um, have been advertised in in the UK, and it's great to see. And hopefully, the the industry can cling on to what's available and 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 pull through. So. It's great to hear from you, Amy. Thank you very much for, for coming on to the Thank podcast. You. Have, uh, are you working towards anything at the moment? Have you got any new releases coming out? Yeah, so I'm hoping to have a, an EP out by the end of the year. I've been working with um, some producers virtually um, mm-hmm. and obviously working on my own production skills. So I'm hoping to have something out by the end of the year. Amazing stuff there. Yeah, that is that is um, something else worth, worth mentioning. Disability now to be able to to record remotely um, mm-hmm. when you, you don't have to be in the same city in a similar way to how we're recording this now. Um, yeah. I'm in my home studio at one end and you're in your home studio at another end and we're able yeah. to to have this conversation and, 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 and record. So it is an amazing thing and I wish you all the best Amy and, and I hope things are, are okay for you moving forward as we, as we come hopefully out of lockdown and, and say goodbye to coronavirus in the future. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. That was my chat with London-based musician Amy Weir. You can keep up to date with Amy's shows and releases by checking out her website, amyweir.com, or by following her on social media. That's Amy spelt A-Y-M-E-E. Now, I could probably tell from that chat that you're a musician yourself, aren't you, Matt? It's um, been a tough time for those in music, especially for those who are live performers as a musician yourself, what do you think needs to be done to support the industry? As we said at the start of the episode, there's 120,000 jobs in life music that are under risk. Well, so, I mean, it is a very complex industry. There's so many different areas and things to consider that it's you know, it's almost com- impossible to, to cover absolutely everything. But the, the funding uh, for, for live venues has been a great help um, to keep things afloat, at least for the time being. Um, I know the funding has saved you know, many great venues across the UK and you know, in my home city of Birmingham. I know that some have, have already been helped um, by the funding. Um, you know, venues such as the Sunflower Lounge, you know, iconic music venue. Grassroots music venues um, are where artists learn their craft. Um, you, you don't often go from zero to hero in the music industry. Um, you know, success comes from years of perfecting things like a live show, you're working out what tracks audience audiences prefer, and, and and that's all done at a grassroots independent level. So so without this kind of training ground, this this battlefield for for musicians to work out their craft, I, I really do think the industry will suffer. So I hope that this funding helps. I hope it's enough to to pull through, and I and I hope the the music industry emerges and blossoms um, out of the other side of this pandemic. Well, I think your, your views are going to be supported in this next interview. Our next guest is Michael Webster. He's a prominent figure on the Manchester music scene. He runs record label Bread Records, which promotes and releases music from unsigned and local musicians, as well as putting on gigs and events in Manchester. Now, Michael tells me about how he and other musicians have adapted to lockdown and what support grassroots music needs from the government. So 
lockdown happened, it struck in March, and we're still feeling the obviously effects of the restrictions now. What have yeah. you done to adapt Red Records to the situation? So um, throughout like the first part of lockdown, I kind of I'm mostly kind of focused on like you know a lot of home recording for my own music, but uh, the main thing that I did was all the new features we've done. So I kind of sorted out the website. I managed to. Um, actually get that done which is looking really good um spent a bit of time on that um then we got the features going so we've got like you know the mom, mom, the monday uh, just the crust where we feature like new releases uh, from artists on the scene in in manchester and around um the northwest we do um the grain radio which was really good to be honest um that went down really well at first uh what is Graham Radio? So it's just like a little, it's basically a little podcast um, where I play five or six songs from local artists, have a little chat about it and just try and push the music out there a little bit. And obviously gigs were stopped um, and yeah. we're slowly getting back into some gigs. Um, yeah. What have you done? In Because um, gigs are the, one of the biggest ways that artists are going to make money. Yeah. What have you done to carry on the gigs and how can an artist survive in lockdown or with these restrictions? Um, so basically, all of our gigs, sadly, were cancelled. But the like the monthly ones that we were doing, like the um, uh, the cream of the crop, we'd normally do the scholar, then my open mic. I just moved them all online as live streams and they did really well, to be honest. Really well. So, uh, the, uh, so the cream of the crop and the scholar, they, uh, well, the cream of crop is a, is a night at the first scholar. So the first yeah, scholar's a venue in Manchester. Yeah. So I moved them all online, and they did they, they did quite well. And a lot of people were putting up like their PayPal's and stuff. So you know, if you enjoyed the set, you could send them like a couple of quid, you know, three quid, five quid, whatever, just to give a bit of that support. And then I was always telling people, you know, throw your streaming links in there, throw like your bank camps and stuff. You might get a sale, even if you get let's say you get free sales, you know. People, three people buy your album, and that's a bit of money just from one nice little live stream. You're a constant figure on the um, Manchester music scene. What advice have you been given to musicians, or what advice would you give to musicians? Um, probably just kind of keep going at it, like because I've noticed a lot of people are kind of they're getting very unmotivated by the fact that like there's no audience. Do you know what I mean they're not having a uh, like people to interact with about the music uh, in, in the same way as you would have like a gig, you know, people are still commenting on all the live streams or, you know, you still got your social media presence, but it's, it's always nice to have someone come up to you after your gig and say, Oh, great set. Do you know what I mean? I think a lot of people are kind of missing that. So I think the main thing is to kind of like keep going and, you know, try and use the time that you might have off to, you know, write songs, um, record, you know, try and make plans with people. In Manchester, um, we saw a story develop with um, venues like the Deaf Institute, which yeah. were under threat, and then uh, it was rescued a bit later on. Uh, what can venues do to to survive, and what help do venues need from maybe the government? I think uh, I think it's going to be very hard for a lot of these venues to survive um, because. You know, there's a lot of like pubs and even like small businesses that are really struggling to tell you the truth. Um, 
And I think the main thing it comes down to is, you know, I, I think there's two ways you can look at this. There's, you know, the government obviously need to bring in more and more like support for the like creative sector, you know, because in the past they haven't really done that much, to be honest with you, in my opinion anyway. Um, but then like from the other side, you know, for people who want to support local music, you know, buy music off people, go and watch live streams, go to gigs if you can, you know, just try and like help it come back on itself. Is the future of the music scene in cities like Manchester online or should we really be aching to get back to live venues? We've talked about mm. the sort of financial um, influence of it, but there's a cultural influence as well, isn't there? Mm-hmm. I think, to tell you the truth, I think there's going to, in the future, you're going to have to look at it from both sides, you know, because I don't think it's ever going to really be the same way as it was. You know, I think with like your local stuff, you know, your more grassroots gigs and that, you will have that kind of, you know, we're all going to go down to an open mic and go down to a gig, have a bit of a laugh and all that. But I think when it comes to like the bigger stuff, they'll have to implement more like social distancing and everything. So I think you need to kind of balance it between the online. But then again, if you really think about it, bands have been doing a lot online for the past 10 years. And it's kind of an essential part of any musician now is to make sure your like virtual presence is like out like proper and out there. Do you know what I mean? And how can musicians um, sort of get that virtual presence? I think the majority of it is you know keep create content for your social medias, create like videos, nice little YouTube videos or whatever. Do little create playlists. You know, I think the big thing that people need to kind of focus on now is you know helping each other out. So, you know, collaborations, you know, you, let's say you're an artist, you do a nice little a cover and you get someone else to sing on it as well. That'll go down really well. Or, you know, even just like, you know, oh, here's a couple of bands I really like. I think it's all about working together at the moment. And if you had a message that you could give to, say, the cultural secretary, Oliver Dowden or uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson, I've asked this of quite a few people. Um, yeah not only in the entertainment industry, but other industries, what would that message be? I think it would, it would probably have to be is like, don't underestimate like your, your grassroots scene because this is where all of the bands come from. You know, even like Ed Sheeran and like Idols, they were all playing like tiny little gigs and then they got that break from a major label or through the work on like their own back. You know, I think you need to support the like, the grassroots stuff because that's where you know all your hidden talents come from and if you don't have that coming out then what's the what's the future of music in the UK if that's the case Michael Webster thank you very much for your time today no problem thanks for having me that was Michael Webster from Manchester based record label Bread Records speaking to me there about the challenges facing grassroots music and now for a bit of positive news March was a very busy time for Nova Story, an alt-rock band from Blackburn, Lancashire. The band were in the middle of their first UK tour and band members Imogen Story and James Duckworth had just signed the lease for their new Eshus House studio in Blackburn. And then lockdown struck. Rather than resting on their laurels, Imogen and James used the lockdown to renovate what would be a new studio and creative hub 
for aspiring artists in the Northwest. And they told me about the work done on their studio and how they plan to mentor musicians in the area. We uh, made sure that we were keeping up with government guidelines and all that kind of stuff and, and found out that construction could carry on through lockdown. And the fact that um, me and Imogen were isolating together anyway, so we could, it meant that we could come up and carry on doing building work on the on the studio, kind of isolating together and just picking up bits and pieces as and when we needed them, you know. And So it, was, um, it wasn't the end of the world for the studio, was it? Because... Um, it, you know, we could actually dedicate quite a lot of time to to the building process, couldn't we? It kind of gave us four right. months, whereas we might have been trying to crack everything off in one month before so that we didn't miss out on customers. Yeah. It were like, well, we don't have any customers anyway, so we might as well use the time and spend like even more time on things that we might not necessarily have been able to before. Yeah. So we, got, we, we managed to hand build like, so much stuff didn't we that we might have otherwise had to pay for yeah because we have the time to do it and because of that as well like one thing that we've always wanted to do we've always been interested in, in the environmental impact of, of a studio of building a studio and, and all that kind of stuff so we right from the get-go we wanted to use um greener materials anyway you know like um sustainably sourced wood um and reusing Eco-friendly rock wall and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, eco-friendly rock wall. And, and, you know, like kind of upgrading stuff as and where we can. Upcycling. <laughs> Upcycling. We, we were kind of like taking old furniture and making it look fancy and stuff like that and using old equipment as furniture rather yeah. than buying, rather than going to Ikea and buying mm. new stuff. We thought, yeah. we'll just make do with what we have. And I was on Facebook Marketplace and we're on eBay and we managed to get lots of stuff that now people are going, oh, wow, what's this? And it's like, well, we got that for 20 quid off eBay. Like, it's, yeah. it's old, that, but it looks cool. Yeah, and it's like, I think lockdown kind of helped with that, didn't it? Because there were certain suppliers that we could get stuff from or there were places that were shut down and all that kind of stuff. So it was like, we kind of had to be a little bit more yeah. creative Thrifty. with our options. Um but I think we've got something really unique off the back so of it now. What work do you do in the studio? It's it's based in Blackburn, Lancashire, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So we're a recording studio, but we're uh, also a creative hub. And what we mean by that is that we don't just offer recording, um, as in people to get the tracks recorded. We offer music videos and graphic design, so like logo creation. And we basically, we, we wanted to provide one place where artists can come and they don't just they don't just have the track recorded and then get sent off into the big wide world to just try and find someone who's not gonna give them a bad quality product or mm. find try and work their own we've basically vetted different um freelancers haven't we yeah. who we now work with who we trust to consistently produce quality work so if an artist comes to us it's like yeah come and get your track recorded with me and J with me and James and then you could go and get your logo designed with Amy or you could get your um your video recorded with Nathan or it's just one of those where we're kind of cutting out the middleman and the more services you um get from us the more we'll bring the price down yeah the, the more the more money that that and you know the the end user is uh, is saving but also we know from being in a band ourselves 
how stressful it can be when you know you, you decide right okay um in two months time we're going to release our single and two months sounds like a lot of time but actually when you don't know any artists when you don't know any videographers when you need to find a studio to record it all that two months goes really bloody quickly it? Mm. <laughs> so it's like you've got to then try and figure out where you know where you're going to source these people from how much money it's going to cost you where you're going to and the most important thing that no one ever tells you how to do is where you're going to recoup those costs back from because a lot of studios and a lot of you know videographers and stuff like that will perfectly happily take the money off you and and i'm not saying you don't you don't get a good um a good product because i think you do off a lot of people you know there, there are many people out there that give really good services but no one ever tells you how to make the money back. And we were like, well, hang on, if our bands come to us and they get a really good quality product and we can give them advice and help on how to make, make that product pay for itself, then surely they'll want to come back. For us, it was about how do we get or how do we help musicians who want to do it full time, mm-hmm. who want to become professionals in the field, how do we get them from hobbyists who just do it at weekends to professionals that do it uh you know seven days a week and it's like that's something that we've spent a lot of time on coming up with um marketing strategies for it's also something that you know this the reason why our band and our studio work really well together is because there's uh, a lot of theories that we'll try and test out with our band first so by the time someone comes to the studio and actually pays for one of our services you can you're comfortable in the fact that actually this has been tested out on our own band and and the only reason we're giving you any of this advice or any of this um you you know service is because we know it works we'll never give someone uh advice or or service that we don't know will work properly for them you're essentially being mentors for these people what advice would you give to um musicians like you said going from a amateur to a jobbing musician and in particular what advice would you give them to survive uh, in terms of their career through lockdown what have you been doing to try and survive through lockdown i think ultimately it's it's about adapting to the different climate like the different scenarios that you find yourself in and it's like so there's all sorts of things that artists could be doing throughout lockdown or you know whilst they, they can't do live music to make to make money and it's things like you could you could be recording things from home and set and setting up a patreon and and really working on your socials and trying to get get people more involved in your journey as an artist so that they want to support you um and it's just essentially you're just trying to build a little community of, of like a fan base of of friends who want to support you because ultimately like an artist is nothing without people who mm. pay to come and see you or pay for your products. I think it's just, it's it's more a case of, I, I suppose it's dependent on each individual artist, isn't it? But generally we'd say just properly research the different avenues that you can go down that you don't have to be performing live events at to, you know, yeah. to, to be making that money from your music. Even stuff like merch, if you've, yeah. if you've got a really good merch game going on and you, you know, even if you don't design it yourself, even if you 
have an art, uh, you know, like an artistic friend who you can get in touch with, or if even if you pay an artist to design something for you, there are definitely ways that you can get merch printed uh, and you can sell it for a profit. And you know, as as long as you stay on top of it and you you're constantly bringing out new stuff, you know, there, there are ways and means of making money through stuff like that. Um, and generally as well, people want to, people do want to help um, smaller artists. They just don't know how, <laughs> and smaller artists don't know how to ask for the help. <laughs> so it's this. It seems to be this gap in the middle, doesn't there? Where there's like, there's people that want to help, and there's people who need the help but don't know how to get it. And we're trying to help close that gap a little bit. And, mm. and I think it can be something as so simple as just having your socials properly sorted so people know where to buy your stuff from. Yeah. It's like going, if you, if someone goes on your page, they need to know what you, you know, what they can, yeah. what they can do to help you. And it's not just a kit. A kit. Sometimes you go on artist pages and they, they're saying, oh, I don't know why things aren't working. Or I don't know why no one's done this or whatever. And it's like, well, I've gone on your page. I can't find a link to your, 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 your merch store. I can't even find a link to your videos without looking yeah. like searching for it it's like make stuff easily accessible because people are people can be lazy can't they they just yeah. want to see it straight away and it's not just that it's like so from my point of view i'm heavily dyslexic yeah so i don't want to sit there and read through a load of stuff yeah i want a photo or a video or i want a link to click and i'm there and it's got to be simple this day and age or else you've got a few seconds to grab someone's attention when they're on your page and yeah. to potentially sell them something and if you don't follow that up then you've you've lost out big time so uh, it's it's those little things that all add up i think well thank you both for your time today best of luck obviously with the band nova story and best of luck with the studio do check it out thank you both for your time thank, thank you so very much for it, that was my chat with nova stories imogen story and james duckworth about their work renovating esh house studio in blackburn a new creative hub for aspiring musicians. Now you can listen to the full interview with Imogen and James on the Laudable Podcast's YouTube channel, including a more personal reflection on the lockdown and more about their bands, their fundraising for carers and their new studio. Well, that's all we've got time for today on Alone Together. But that doesn't mean you have to wait until next week's episode for more content. You can check out our previous episodes of Alone Together or even try a completely new podcast from us by searching for Laudable Podcasts wherever you listen to your podcasts. A bit like this one. The Echoes Menopod is a podcast that tackles puberty's evil older sister, one gin and tonic at a time. Fancy a gin now, thanks for that. In each episode, Susan Lee and Dawn Collinson are joined by a host of interesting guests giving their witty and informative take on the menopause. From fashion to relationships, brain fog to the workplace, the menopod answers the crucial questions for women over 45. Now, as a person who is not a woman, nor over 45, it's actually a really interesting listen. It gives me more of an insight into the people in my life who are women over 45. So no matter what your age, it's funny, and it's a great listen, and it's really informative. And here's what you can expect from the podcast. Hello, I'm Susan Lee and you're listening to The Menopod, the podcast that aims to tackle puberty's evil older sister, one large gin at a time. 
I'm here with my co-host Dawn Collinson and we'll be discussing every aspect of the menopause, including the physical symptoms and what you can do about them. Whether that's hot flushes, furious rages or... Oh, Dawn, what's that thing called? You know it, you know it. Come on, come on, Sue. Oh, brain fog, brain fog, that's right. And we'll examine the more serious consequences of those declining hormones for our long-term health. We'll be looking at what happens when the kids leave home, coping with elderly parents, and we'll meet women for whom the change has meant reinvention. We'll also be examining the cost of staying well in midlife. So things like yoga classes, gym memberships, it all doesn't come cheap. It doesn't. Along the way, there'll be fashion and beauty as well. And we'll ask the question, when are you too old to shop in Topshop? What do you think? I'd say never, but then I do think you've got to be careful. Fair enough. Oh, and then the sex. Don't say the S word. I've said it. I think that might be more than one episode. Not if my husband has anything to do with it. (laughs) We'll have experts on hand to offer hints and tips. And of course, we want to hear from you. Your stories of menopause madness, how you called someone out for a fight in a car park like my friend did, and questions about how to cope with one of the biggest changes in your life. Or how maybe you've celebrated a new and liberating phase, you know, getting rid of all those things that you didn't really want to do anyway. You can download the Menopod podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, but for exclusive, interactive, immersive content, download the entire app for iOS. If you like what you've heard, please rate and review the Menopod and help other listeners discover us too. This is a Laudable production for the Liverpool Echo. You can find out more about Laudable and its other podcasts by following us on social media on Twitter, where we are at Laudable Pods, and on Instagram by searching for Laudable underscore podcasts. Look forward to seeing you soon. And if you want an update about our latest projects, or you would like to look back on some of our best work, or even get a behind-the-scenes look at what goes on in making our podcasts, you can now sign up to our weekly newsletter by visiting laudable.substack.com. That's laudable.substack.com. Alone Together has been a laudable production from the newsrooms of the Manchester Evening News, the Edinburgh Evening News and Birmingham Live. Now you can keep in touch with uh, the laudable team, that's me, that's Matt and that's Morven, on social media, on Twitter where we are at laudablepods or on Instagram where we are laudable underscore podcasts. So thank you to our guests and thank you for listening. So stay safe. Stay positive, stay informed and stay tuned.